Happy National Mother-in-Law Day. Hello Happy. to all the mother-in-laws. Mommy-in-laws, madre-in-laws, whatever you want to oh, say. Whatever you want to say. <laughs> Did you know that Echo could be your place, your people, and your purpose all in one space? It's a beautiful thing. Yes, and we encourage you to take your first steps into this life-giving local church and find the community and the support that you've always been hoping for. Mm -hmm. Stop by at Mayo High School for one of our services at 915 and 1045 on Sundays. We would love to meet you. We'd love to meet you. And in fact, let us know that you are out there. Press like, like uh, send us a comment, or send us a prayer request through the DM. Yes. Um, and scripture says in 2 Corinthians 9-11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And we believe that blessing you receive is from God and the blessing is meant to bless others. Yes. So thank you for your obedience to God's word and giving. And today with your giving, furthering the vision of echoing Jesus in Rochester and its surrounding area. Yes. And the easiest way to give, if you don't know how to, is to head to our website or text any amount to 84321. We are excited you join us for Echo Sunday service. We'll see you later. See you later.
praise. Come on, let's lift it up. Go! 
You're the king of my life. You're the king of my
Jesus, our prayer. that today that Jesus reigns above it all Jesus we just pause right now and we declare you Lord God Lord of our house Lord of our heart God Lord God of our day and Lord of our night and we are so thankful Jesus that when you enter darkness flees And we lean into that promise. We lean into that power that you have and you possess and that you give us. And so today, Jesus, we declare you, Lord, but we also name ourselves sons and daughters of our King and our Father and heaven. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, would you shout amen? Some of you are like, who is this person? And then some of you are like, oh, she's back. <laughs> I am the crazy aunt that somehow gets to come back here every once. I even made it on the bumper reel. I don't know if you guys, you need to come early and see the bumper reel because it's fun. There's all kinds of fun. And I was on it. I was like, how am I on it? And Andy's like, you're part of the family. What are you talking about? Pastor Andy. We need to use proper languaging here. Just kidding. I don't think he goes by that. But... It is exciting to be here, and I'm honored anytime I get to come back to a place where I just feel at home, and I feel like these are my people. <laughs> I was texting with Pastor Andy yesterday and was like, I can't wait to come, and he's like, you know, I just feel like I'm coming home, and he's like, great, I'm already looking at houses for you to buy, and I just sent a freezing emoji. <laughs> I was like, and then like the circle with the line through it, you know, like no cold. Uh, But it does. It does really feel like that. I just got done. I flew from Ohio to here last night. I I was at a women's conference. And I'll tell you what. There is no one that parties harder than a woman who doesn't have her kids for two days. (laughs) Like, these women were, uh, like, crazy. Crazy over the top. Just so excited. So when I come to you today... I'm like filled up, ready to go, but my message is like deep heart stuff today, so I'm like trying to balance that, like women energy crazy, and then I'm like, well, we're really going in the word today, so we're just going to bring that balance, right? Let's pray. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this time. (sighs) Life is busy. Life, there's a lot. There's a lot going on for all of us. And so, God, I just pray as we come into this space that you would meet people wherever they are. Maybe they come into this space and they haven't been in this space in a really long time. Church has felt um, confusing and maybe even dangerous or painful. But they came this morning because they just wanted to give you one more try. I pray that you would just meet them and let them know that they don't have to show up anyway. You're just glad they're here. I pray, God, for those that come, that today is a celebration of all you've been doing all week. And maybe there's someone that's coming today who comes every week, but today is the day they need you more than they've needed you or they thought they needed you in the past. God, would you meet every heart that's in this room in an honest way, 
in a way that meets us in the truest places of our hearts. We thank you, God, for what you're about to do because whenever we open scripture, we anticipate that you will speak. And we ask, God, that as our ears are opened, you would meet us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I had the privilege of going to Rwanda. That's how Americans say it. But Rwandans say Rwanda. They do not say Rwanda. Fun fact. Put that in your pocket. So I just got back from Rwanda, Africa. I was there for several weeks. And it was awesome. And I felt like a really big deal. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I was like, I'm in Africa, preaching in Africa. You know, like, I have arrived. I've never been to Africa before. I am in Africa. They made me a dress. I was wearing an African garb. It was awesome. And I came back, and I came back and walked to my house, and my husband has been holding down the fort. And let me tell you something. Don't feel bad for him. Those are his children, too, okay? People constantly are like, oh, he's having to take care of the kids. I'm like, you mean his kids? Yeah, he's taking care of our kids. He's doing just fine. He was a part of it for a few minutes, but he was a part of that. And now he is helping me and I am helping him. And this is what we do together. So he does a really good job. I mean, I walked in and the kids are alive and we're good. They've been fed. They are alive. I think there was a shoe that was lost at one point, but they recovered. Literally my daughter went to school and my, my husband looked in the back. He's like, where's your shoes? She goes, I forgot them. How do you forget shoes? You're 11. Every day you've been wearing shoes. But somehow we forgot that. He had to turn around, but they got there and they were on time and all was good. But I walked in and as I walked in, I saw from the corner of my eye, the dishes. You see, not everything can get taken care of when mom is gone. And I will say not everything can get taken care of when dad is gone. Like it, we need both. So all the single parents in the room shout out. Cause you're doing, we're doing what we can do, right? I mean, I'm acting like I'm saying, I'm not single. I would die. I literally need somebody to help me. But I walked in and the dishes weren't done. And let me tell you something. There is nothing that makes me more angry than a certain type of dish. Now, I can handle dishes, but there's a certain type of dish that will move me to a place of utter seeing red. And that is a cereal bowl that has not had water sit in it so the cereal can soak and it's just sat there and dried I don't know, it's like shellacked on there when the cereal. And I'm like, you know, my husband is tired. He's gonna go up to bed. He's gonna kind of like have some time by himself because, you know, he's been inundated with three little people for an entire two weeks. So I'm like, I'll do the dishes. And I'm sitting there and I'm beginning to scrub the dishes and I'm like scrubbing the dishes and something's starting to happen inside me. The holiness that was in Africa has left the building. And I am no longer, I don't know what happened to her, but whoever has taken over is not of God. And I am like scrubbing that cereal. I'm like, I mean, seriously? And I start saying things like, I'm, not, I'm giving you my finest moments, not my finest. I'm like, I'm better than this. I am better than this. I'm a big deal. Like, I was a big deal. People pay to hear me talk. And I am scrubbing this bowl. And I don't know if you do this, but as I'm scrubbing the bowl, I'm starting to notice things that didn't get taken care of. Like all of a sudden I'm like, oh, nobody's just gonna clean the baseboards here? Nobody's cleaning the baseboards. No, no one is cleaning the baseboards. Oh, the cobwebs are just gonna go, they're just gonna have their way in this house? And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm up all night then. And I start cleaning the baseboards and I'm muttering to myself, I'm better than this. If you knew who I was, family, you would be cleaning for me, right? Not my finest moment, okay? My husband actually came down the stairs because he was hearing all the pots and pans because I don't know what it is about, but we want to let you know <laughs> what we're doing 
through the sound of the pots and pans. So I'm like, clean, clonk, clean, clonk, you know. He comes down, he's like, you know, hey, uh, you need some help with something? I'm like, oh, no, I'm good. I'm just scrubbing the shellac off the cereal bowl because apparently nobody could soak it with some water. And he's like, yeah, all right, I'm going to see you later. Like, he just, he just removed himself from what was about to happen. And I, I, I don't know what happened. Like, like, I just started losing it over the dumbest stuff. I start seeing the laundry that's piled up and the fact that these things didn't get done and I'm, I, I start losing perspective, right? I start going, man, I, I, I need to go back to Africa. My daughter comes down and she's like, you know, hasn't seen me in two weeks and I had come in a little bit later so she had gone to bed and she came down and she was like, hey mom, um, can I get some water? And I'm like... 11 years of going to bed and needing water, you would think you'd be more prepared. She is not. She's like, I need some water. Okay, fine, I'll bring you up some water. I bring up the water and I give it to her, you know, because I'm so holy and gracious. I'm like, hey, sweet daughter. Actually, I was like, here's your water. And she's like, "Mm, is there no ice? And I just, I'm just at the end of myself, right? And I, I go downstairs and, I begin to kind of look around and I'm like, man, it is day in, day out, dishes and laundry. Like I was thinking even about like the Garden of Eden. Here they are bopping around, they got no clothes on and then they sin and all of a sudden Jesus finds them and then what does he do? He kills an animal and puts clothes on them. I'm like, in the garden, they started laundry. Like laundry is with us from the day we started creation to the day we die, you will be doing laundry. That is a part of your story, guaranteed, everyone. Like, I'm like, this is the mundane. This is the everyday. And I know you guys are here and you've been talking about leadership. And as I was thinking about this, I'm like, man, we think of leadership like these these moments where we're gonna get on a stage or we're gonna write that next book or we're really gonna climb that corporate ladder and we're gonna own that business and we're gonna lead people into the ushering of the goodness of God. And this is how we define leadership. And I'm gonna tell you, that's like 5% of your life and the 95% of your life is dishes and laundry. Like, I think that we are being refined in the fire of the mundane. And we live our lives like we're waiting for the 5% to happen. It's as if we're in some kind of dress rehearsal and we're just waiting for the big play. When I get my moment, one day when I'm free of all of this, I'll show them. And we wait and we think narratives like, I'm better than this, or I should be doing more than this, or this something else should matter. It should be bigger, more sustainable, more glorious, more beautiful than dishes and laundry. Yeah, I was looking as I was cleaning the dishes and cleaning the laundry, God just began to speak. Carrie, how often do you minimize these moments because you're constantly fixated? on the 5%, those big moments where you can shine bright, which is such a joke. Those big moments where you're gonna see the usherings of heaven and you miss out on what I'm doing in the everyday. As I was done cleaning everything, you know, I was a little bit of jet lag, so the house was very clean. Uh, And I went upstairs and my husband is sleeping in bed 
And there next to him is my daughter. She is waiting for me. She had fallen asleep, but waiting for me nonetheless. And right there on my pillow was a little bracelet that she had made, and it just said, I love you. And I just looked at that bracelet, and I go, this is a moment. This is a moment, a mundane moment in time where I am encountering the miracle of what it means to get to be a mom, to touch her heart and her life in the middle of laundry and dishes. I started to cry and weep, obviously. It's like, it is so good, and I am so selfish, you know, putting it on. I'm like, I'm going to wear this till I die. And then it broke, and it was fine. And beads went everywhere. It was fine. (laughs) And I just began to think, like, gosh, how often do we think about leadership having to be the big? I want to ask you a question. When you think of leadership, what do you think? You don't have to answer out loud, but I just want you to begin to think. What do you think of when you think of leadership? What do you think of when you think of a leader? Someone who leads. And then I want to ask you this question. How many of you in this room love someone? And like really love them? Raise your hand if you love someone. Take a look around. Some of you are like, nope, I don't love anyone. There's everyone's a jerk and I'm barely loving me. <laughs> You all raised your hand because truly you love someone. And if you love, you lead. If you love, you lead. How many times have you minimized your leadership because it doesn't look the way you think it's supposed to look? It doesn't look the way that the world says it's supposed to be. You're not the CEO. You're not the manager. You're not even the boss. You feel like you're doing an okay job at even parenting and you barely are doing that. How often do you minimize your leadership because it doesn't fit in the box that everyone says it's supposed to fit in? Some kind of weird societal box that says this is what a leader is and if you don't have these things, then you aren't one. It's not biblical. It's not scriptural and it's not biblical. In fact, what I want to challenge you with that it's in the refining of the fire of the mundane that your skills to become a leader and to walk in leadership grow. In fact, often the miracles that we're wanting, the 5% that we're desiring, they, they often proceed, come after the moments of the mundane. And I have scripture to back it up. Look at scripture on some of the biggest stories that we know. I'm going to give you a couple of those stories because I really want you to start to understand. And my challenge to you today is my desire for you to leave here seeing yourself correctly. Because I don't think you see yourself correctly. I think you see yourself through the grid of what other people have told you you are of what you look at other people, of how you should be. You define your skill sets comparatively to someone else. You look at your pastor or your speaker or that author or that artist or that musician and you go, well, they're really leading. And I want to challenge you today because you have believed a lie and you have taken yourself out of the game and out of what God has for you for this, for this entire world, and you have taken yourself out of the kingdom that God has given you. Every single one of you has a kingdom. 
It could be in your workspace. It could be with your kids. It could be at your school. It could be with that dude that you take to the bar and just have a beer with. Welcome to the kingdom. And God, Jesus is coming back. (laughs) The kingdom's here. Let's go. We don't need to lead anymore. And I want to challenge you because we need you. This world needs you, the the people in your world need you, and without you, we are missing out. I want to give you a couple of stories. If If you see here that when Jesus joins the mundane, something miraculous begins to happen. There's a story in Matthew, you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 4, 19, here's Andrew and Peter, they're brothers. Peter goes, I'm going to go fishing, and Andrew goes, I'll go with you. I want you to understand, Peter and Andrew did this every single day. They didn't go to the market and just buy fish. They went and got their fish every single day. Got in a boat, sailed out, put the net over the side, got the fish. If they got more fish, they got to sell it. If they got enough fish, they ate for the day. They did this every day. This was their job. This was every single day, rain or shine. They got in the boat, cast it out, looked for fish, and came home. Mundane stuff. Nothing of importance until one day. One day, there's a man standing on the shore, and he says, how's it going? Peter says, not so great. Hey, put your net on the other side. Ah, we've already tried it. Don't worry. Ah, why don't you try it again, he says. They put the net on the other side, and all of a sudden, it's full of fish, and they are amazed and realize we have encountered something beyond us. And the voice says, hey, I don't want you to have to just fish for fish anymore. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It's in this moment, in the mundane moment, that something miraculous begins to happen. And it's in the mundane that their entire lives begin to change. Had they had not gotten up that morning and understood that their role was to step into the mundane, they would never have encountered the miracle. They weren't waiting for the 5%. They were living in the 95%. They weren't waiting for the play to start. The the dress rehearsal was not their story. This was it. This is life. And it's here where Jesus met them. We know another story. Many of you know it. It's found in Luke. And here's a woman. We know that this woman has been ostracized by her friends and by her town and by her village because she is going to get a necessary thing, water, in the middle of the day. And in the Middle East, you don't go get water in the middle of the day and you don't go by yourself. It's not only dangerous, it's hot. Women do things in pairs, just watch them go to the restroom. You wanna come with me? Of course. (laughs) I don't know why we do this, but we do. We need buddies. And she is there alone. That day, she is going to get water. What she does every single day, she is encountering to get water. And this day, she shows up at the well, and there is a man. And he begins to speak to her. And not only does he begin to speak to her about the water that she's giving, but he starts to speak to her about a water that he wants to offer her that will help her to never quench again. The story is amazing because she doesn't really get it at first, but over a few minutes of this conversation, she begins to understand that he is speaking to her heart and this great exchange begins to happen where she has felt ostracized and betrayed by men. God is restoring her story. 
He's restoring it so much that she leaves the very thing, the very mundane chore that she went to do. She leaves the jugs and runs back to her village, the same village that ostracized her, called her names, and begins to tell of a man that told her everything about her and loved her, all because she was doing a mundane chore. The last story I want to share with you is one that we've all heard. Here's Jesus. He's standing on a mountain and uh, on a hillside, and he's preaching to 5,000 people, which was really 20,000 people because, you know, we were there, women, some kids, 20,000 people or so, and Jesus is talking to them. And obviously, they've been there a while, and they're hungry. And I love the disciples because the disciples are always stressed out. It's the, I feel so seen when I read about the disciples. They're like, there's not enough food. I don't know what we're going to do. We're hungry. There's enough just for us. We should send everybody home. <laughs> I was like, I get that. I am Italian and I need to eat. And he looked at, and Jesus looked at them and said, well, what do we have? You know the story. I don't know. Some little kid has some bread and some fish and he brought a little sack lunch up and told us that he had it. And Jesus says, give it to me. We know the story begins to create a miracle. And I started to think about that sack lunch. And I started to think, who made that lunch? Who was putting that lunch together? Because I know me, I make a lot of lunches. Every morning I'm making lunches. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm putting in there. Come around May, my kids will get like a marshmallow and a graham cracker. And I'm like, I don't know, make a s'more. Figure it out. I just, I'm done. Three lunches every day. I have a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, an 11-year-old. That is a lot of lunches. And the funny part is, is I'm like, no, I don't want you to eat the school lunch because it's not healthy. (laughs) Legitimately gave my kid marshmallows for lunch. It's like marshmallows and some Funyuns. I don't know. It was like, it was a vibe, that lunch. I was thinking of the woman that day because obviously she's there and then this kid isn't just going rogue. So he must have been there with his dad or his mom or auntie or someone. And in that morning, the mom is up or the dad is up and he's there like, we got to get going. We're in a hurry because we heard about this guy. I don't know what, but there's a stirring in the town and this guy's doing some amazing stuff. We want to go check him out. I don't know. Throw some fish in there and some bread. They put it in the lunch and they're off and running. The mundane of making lunches began the miracle of feeding thousands of people and lives forever in the book of life. The mundane had a miracle within it. And I think when we look at leadership, we often look at, we we discount the mundane because we're waiting for the 5%. We're overriding what it means to do the laundry and to do the dishes and to make the lunches. We override what it means to sit with that guy at the cubicle or sit with that little boy that comes up and looks at you and knows in that moment, I need my father to attune to the places of my heart that feel broken and scared. It's the mundane of my husband going into my 17-year-old son's bedroom every night and praying for him. It's mundane. But something is happening in the middle of the mundane that is beginning to refine us in the fire of this everyday I want to offer you a scripture today that we can look at in Matthew 25. You can turn there uh, if you have your Bibles or your little gadgets. 
uh, Matthew 25, verse 35. It says this. For when I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in or without clothes and close you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Gosh, if I could just share with you the moments that we miss because we're fixated, bags packed, ready. I want to move from God, and I'm going to wait here on this mountain until I see it. And so we go to the conferences. We even go to the church experiences, but we look at this church experience, and we go, it's got to be one day over every day. When I'm telling you where you will find Jesus the most is in the every day over the one day. Here is the beautiful place where we can gather together and rejoice for what God has been doing in the week or lament on what we've experienced. But if you are hoping to find a move of God in this one space and this is all you have, you will be longing. And you will be sitting with your bags, waiting for an experience, and you will miss the life you have been called to. You will minimize why God put you on this earth. You will minimize the moments where that guy decides to go to golf with you and you have nine hours, nine hours to just have somewhat of a conversation. It actually blows my mind when my husband goes golfing and comes back and I'm like, what's going on with George? I don't know. You had nine hours? I would know your past, your present, your future, your, child, your grandbabies' names. I would know your deepest, darkest secrets. He's like, well, George's golf game was really off today. <laughs> Nine hours? It's crazy. Are you operating and understanding that every moment that you've been given in the mundane of every golf swing and every beer drink and every moment with your son that you're just putting his shoes on or getting her water... That these are moments where Jesus is saying, if you want to understand how to lead, clothe me, feed me, sit with me. I was at church one Sunday, and I drink a lot of these. <laughs> I need a lot of caffeine to be me. And I drink several of them before the morning. And so I do worship and I'm all in and worship da, 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 da. And then there's, you know, every church is very similar. And then there's the bumper and the announcements. And I'm like, that's my cue to go to the bathroom. And then I'm going to come back and hit the message. It's like clockwork. I love it. Tell me what's expected and I will do it. Right? So I go into the bathroom, I come out of the bathroom, and I'm washing my hands, I'm ready to go into the service, and there's a woman standing there. And she's clearly crying. And she's trying to gather herself. And it's kind of, you can tell, like, this is a cry that's not just like a, this has been a cry. Like, she had to remove herself from the place of worship because her tears were too much in her mind for the room. And I had a moment... <laughs> I'm not telling you I'm a good person, but I had a moment. And I was like, I really want to hear the message, and I don't really want to do this right now. I mean, it's just honest. 
the Lord was like, get it together, Garcia. (laughs) This is not all about you. And I looked at her and I said, hey, what's going on? And she's like, oh, nothing, you know, always minimizing, right? No, nothing, I'm fine, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, it's just the worship. And I was like, feels like those tears seem a little bit bigger than, than what was going on in worship. I'm here to listen if you want to share. And it proceeded into a 40-minute conversation of her explaining to me that a few months before her husband had died and she's feeling the guilt and the shame because she's still crying. She was even my mother-in-law, she loves Jesus and she keeps telling me like, you need to be stronger. God works all things for good who loves Jesus and he's got a plan and he's gonna turn good in this. And I just looked at her and I said, oh, that's so painful to use scripture against your heart. I'm so sorry. It was never actually supposed to be this way. We are not supposed to have to die. Our bodies know something of Eden and the sting of this world is painful. And although I believe that God is with you in this, I'm not gonna bypass your pain by just telling you you should not cry anymore. Your tears mean that he mattered to you and if they need to matter right now, then let it matter. And that related into, or started into a story and a conversation that was holy and sacred. And it came out in the mundane of me using the bathroom. Something I do every day, several times. <laughs> Three babies, lots of it. <laughs> it's like the, in the mundane, the miracle could happen. I was challenged actually today. A lady came up to me in between services, and I love it, I'm gonna steal it. She said, you know what's funny is, my job is so mundane. It is the 95% every day. She goes, I'm a labor and delivery nurse, and it is the same thing all day, every day. She goes, but what I was challenged with today, Carrie, was that it was in my mundane that I was encountering someone's 5%. Wow. Wow. Leadership is found in the 95% of the mundane, but what if you're just leading the way you are supposed to lead and taking every moment captive and understanding that to your daughter, when you bring that cup of water to her, she will remember that that was her 5%, a mom that was present, a father who didn't bypass his son when his son came in with tears because he's being bullied, and the father didn't say, boys, don't cry. Toughen up, because that's what happened to you. Instead, you realize that in the mundane of being a father or a mother or a brother or a sister actually was encountering someone else's 5% moment. If you have your bags packed waiting for your own 5%, you have missed your calling. And this is what I want to challenge you with today, friends. Set that bathroom moment was sacrifice for me, but ended up changing me. And for her, it was a 5% moment, not because of me, but because of the God that encompasses me and the willingness to be obedient, to scrub the dishes because your kids deserve to have clean bowls, 
to clean the laundry because football uniforms stink, to feed your 17-year-old and your 15-year-old because they're starving every other hour. It's here that we will find Jesus. Paul Tripp is an author and he says, if God doesn't rule your mundane, then God does not rule you because that's where you live, is in the mundane. Don't miss these moments. It's here that you will be strengthened. It's here that you will be refined. It's here that you will be empowered and your eyes will be open to the beauty that is right in front of you. There are moments like Africa, but more often than not, there are little bracelets on your pillow and a little girl that's gonna grow into a woman who just remembered that there was a mommy present and a daddy who looked at her and said, every time you walk in the room, you light up my heart. It's the mundane of these moments that I think the enemy is trying to pull you out of to try to make you think there's something more, something bigger, something better, that your life is gonna start when this happens. And he has you fooled. He has you bowing down to a counterfeit God that is keeping you idled and bound rather than the freedom that says, I am right here, right now in the coffee shop as you sit. I'm here in the bathroom and I am next to you when you lay with her, stroke her hair when she's had a bad dream. It's here, friends, when the world looks at us, past the laser lights and the fog machines, they aren't looking for the 5%. They're looking for you to love them in the mundane, in the heart of life, in the heartache of life. If you don't know how to see your mundane as holy, you'll miss the miracle that's right in front of you. You'll lead from a place of disillusionment and you will hold to your self-righteousness that says, I am looking for the big thing and it's here that I'll find him. I have had to put down my illusions of my religious achievements as something that that's where God's gonna move. And I've had to step into a place of understanding my heart does not wait for Africa. My heart waits for my daughter to call out, I need water. Because the scripture says, when you fed them, you fed me. When you got them water, you got it for me. When you sat with them when they were sick, you sat with me. When they were in prison and you visited them without judgment, you sat with me. You wanna lead well? Lead in the mundane and find the glory of God in the land of the living as you watch the laundry spin. Jesus, I just thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for the power of this 
moment, that we can sit here today, not putting our hope on one day, but allowing you to invade our every day. Check our spirits, God. If we come here, Lord, just to get our fix, only to be desperate all week long and then get the next hit next Sunday, may you challenge our hearts that it is in the every day that you are working, God that it is in the 95% that we will find you and we will relish in the 5%, but often and more often than not, God, it will be in the 95%, Lord, that you will do your best work and someone else will experience that 5% moment. Leadership. You are calling us to lead because you have asked us to love. And so God, I pray right now in this moment that any single person in this room that has minimized their gift, that has taken them out, that has looked at others and said, oh, it's, it, it's on them or, or they're the ones or they look at this stage. May they know right now that the playing field is even, that there's just a bunch of misfits and one good God. Lord, I pray right now that you would break off the idol of counterfeit gods that are moving us out of the direction and the focus of saying, God, it is not in the big, still small voice that you work and that you speak. It is in the clothing. It is in the water. It's in the fishing, the clocking in and the clocking out. It's on the golf range and in the bathrooms. It's where we will find you. And Lord, I know you're calling, especially here in this church, for them to not only rise up as a leader, but to begin to see themselves accurately. They are anointed and appointed by you to do good things and offer good care in the everyday. So we thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. That's so good. Can we just honor Carrie today for the word she just brought? Andy and I have the honor and privilege of knowing Carrie, and it is such a gift every time she comes, and today was a word we needed to hear, so thank you. As she was speaking, I was looking at the screen at some of the words that we have selected for this sermon series, and the word that was jumping out today is the word approachable. And I kept staring at the screen the last two hours, and I just think that today is about us being approachable in the mundane. It's turning our eyes towards the things that matter, towards the people that matter. It's putting our phones down. It's seeing the need. It's me being a servant leader, not only to a stranger, but to my children. It's me being a servant leader here in this city. And it's us looking and saying, God, how can you use me? And so I just believe with all of my heart that God's wanting us to be approachable in this season. Amen. At this time, I'd love it if you could stand. Every week, we say an echo prayer. And if you are new here today, we would love for you to join us. And what this prayer is, is about us realigning our lives but truly, it's about us approaching God, asking him to come in. We're asking him to meet us where we're at and just honoring him. And some of you, it may be your very first time saying this prayer, but we believe this is significant. It's us saying, God, we need you. We need your help. We cannot do this alone. 
And it's about us giving him our mundane, giving him our weakness, giving him our strengths. And so Echo, at this time, I would love it if you could join me in saying this prayer and then the band will end with a song. Jesus, I surrender. I have
Like, I really like coming here. I like seeing your faces. Uh, sometimes the weight of the week just gets there. Like, the mundane, like, one of the hardest things for me about the mundane is it is not life-giving. A lot of times it's kind of life-sucking. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, the energy of you is just leaving. But I loved being challenged today to be reminded that the miracle happens in the mundane a lot of times. The relationship happens in the mundane. The connection that happens. I just, I'm really, I'm just really just wrestling with that idea and just to be reminded that sometimes it's the little things that are making the biggest difference. Uh, at Echo, we like to do a couple things. We like to celebrate people and specifically we want to celebrate those that said that prayer with us for the very first time. We give it up for those people. And I also want to celebrate those that came to Echo for the very first time today. We know what bravery that takes. We are proud of you. Thanks for hanging out with us today.